Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this episode, I'm delighted to meet Julie Waits, Managing Director of the Franchise Company. Julie's looking at all things franchise-related from a viewpoint of whether it's the right choice for your business to expand, how to franchise properly, and the impact of franchising as a potential franchisor, as well as recruiting potential franchisees. Lots to explore, lots of opportunities to to think about. Welcome to the Impact Sessions. Today, I'm delighted to have with me Julie Waits. She's the Managing Director of the Franchise Company, based in the north of England, working internationally. And uh, Julie's an expert in all things franchising, as the name would suggest. And we're going to look at, uh, is my business ready to franchise? So welcome to the Impact Sessions, Julie. Thank you. Lovely to be here. It is indeed good to work with you. We've, uh, as my children would say, we've known each other for about 100 years, I think they would say. Uh, recently started working together um, with me getting involved in the franchise sector and, and, and working with some mutual clients. And it's a really interesting sort of business model to me. I've not really exposed uh, my business to that sector before. So I thought I'd have you in and, you know, try and explore some questions that some of our viewers and listeners might be interested in, if, whether their business would be franchisable and what are the pitfalls and ups and downs of that, if that's okay. Yeah, great. Super look forward to it. Excellent. Okay. Well, you run a, a, a long-established, very successful uh, business. It's all about kind of franchise development, support and training. Um, how did you get into that uh, particular sector and, you know, and specialise in such a, a defined area? I went to work for a company called the Pronto Print Group. All right. And they were based in Darlington and they were one of the earlier franchisors in the UK and one of the founder members of the British Franchise Association. Uh, I was a very lowly regional manager, which basically meant I drove anywhere between Aberdeen and Bournemouth uh, from nine o'clock on a Monday morning to five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And my role was to recruit, train, support new franchisees within their network, specifically with a a company called Poppies, which was one of their subsidiary companies, basically. And I was with them for about five years, during which time they floated on the um, alternative investment market, valued about 10.5 million in the the mid-80s. So it was a very much a period of rapid growth for them in a purple patch. Um, I learned a huge amount about franchising in terms of what's really good about it and the good things and how to do it really well. And and I learned a huge amount about franchising in terms of what can go wrong Mm -hmm. and things not to do and things that they did that potentially they would look back and and regret doing, basically. Um, And then I went and worked in the telecom sector, with a company that was at the time also based in Darlington 
and they had three retail outlets in the northeast and wanted to franchise, expand, grow their business. Were they not a franchise at that time when you joined them then, Julie? No, there were three individual outlets run by three directors who subsequently set up the company and I went in and developed the franchise model from scratch without anything at all and helped them to grow the business. And over the next five and a half, six years, we grew the business from three to 41 And I ended up being a main board director and um, shareholder within the business. Um, And then I decided uh, to take the advice that I'd given to lots of other people, (laughs) which was to start a business myself, because that's my background in terms of my family of of ran businesses for many years. And the thing that I knew how to do was to set up businesses and operate them on a franchise basis. Right. So that was where the original idea and concept of the franchise company came in. Uh, The idea originally was to work predominantly with northern-based businesses because there were similar um, consultancies in Birmingham and London, but nothing in the north. Mm. So we set up initially to work with northern-based businesses, help them expand and grow across the UK. And then we started working with companies in other areas of the UK, and then the internet came around and uh, the whole thing just exploded. And the, we wor- now, the world is your oyster then, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, really? that's yeah, right, yeah. very much so. So, yeah, we now work on uh, kind of a virtually a worldwide basis, basically. Excellent. Okay. Well, it's a massive sector. I'm My first exposure to that really on a working basis has been the last sort of 12 to 15 months. And uh, quite surprising, there's quite a few well-known brands that you might not even know franchise businesses we were at an exhibition uh, recently and um, people like Vodafone and Hilton Hotels and people like that um, do you want to share a few brands with us that, that people might not realize operate on a franchise model obviously not without breaching any confidentialities but you know the brands out there that uh, the, the, the vast majority of the public might think no idea didn't know that was there yes yeah, certainly I mean I think most people know that McDonald's is a franchise that body shop is a franchise uh, and a lot of franchising is associated with food. Mm. But but re- basically, it can be used across a very wide variety of sectors. So um, one of the potentially more interesting projects that I did was with an organisation called Ramsden's. Mm. And they're a firm of pawnbrokers and providers of financial services. Um, they have recently floated on the, the stock market, and I think their shares are now worth around about £2 a share and got significant um, valuation. Mm. Um, and again, that business was set up originally in Stockton on Tees. And the guy who started it had three company-owned outlets, wanted to expand and grow and develop. And, and I worked with him to develop the franchise model. And uh, and they are very successful within their sector and a very successful um, organisation and, and have got there through franchising, basically. So whose idea was it then? Was Did he have a desire to get into franchising or was it a desire to expand the business and you advised that franchising was the right route for him then? He'd got to a stage of his business development where he knew there was an opportunity to grow, but he didn't want to continue to grow opening company-owned outlets. Um a, from the point of view of the, the capital that was required, but secondly, from the point of view of the actual commitment of the individual working within the organisations. And that's a situation that happens with, with quite a lot of companies. They know they've got something that really works and they know that there's a market opportunity. Um, 
they believe that they've got the opportunity to scale and they may need to do it reasonably quickly. Mm. And either they don't have the capital or they don't have the desire from a management point of view to start to employ many managers um, operating the businesses in other geographical areas. So that's really two prime motivators why people do look at franchising to grow their brand and business, but not have to either have the financial capacity, take the financial risk, or employ people in arm's length geographically remote remote locations. Okay. It's also a bit of a safer option for those potentially looking to start a business, isn't it? Because they've got the... I guess, central services, they've got a brand there, they've got some level of, of additional support. So rather than set something up from scratch uh, for themselves, they can still have the entrepreneurial spirit, but I guess with a bit more of a, a wraparound support mechanism. So is that something that uh, is attractive to a franchisor as well, the person who's looking to you know, expand their business? Are they looking for entrepreneurs? Are they looking for operators? How does, what's the sort of general... They're not looking for entrepreneurs in the sense of Richard Branson's or Alan Sugar's. They're yeah. looking for people with entrepreneurial um, skills who can use their entrepreneurial skills but work within the remits and the requirements of the franchise model. So entrepreneurs with a, a little E rather than a capital E, basically. And certainly from the individual's point of view who become franchisees, Franchising is a much safer um, way and potentially easier way of getting into a business and starting and establishing a business than doing something on your own where you've got to think of everything, create everything, the brand, the website, the systems, etc. And the, the stats massively support that in terms of failure rate in starting a business from scratch is about 80% in the first three years mm. and the failure rate in franchising has historically been around about five percent but it's dropped recently to around about three percent so it's really a much easier safer way to, to get into business both parties i guess yeah yes yeah. if you're right it's got to be right for the you know the franchise or it's got to be right for the franchisee and, and vice versa so if it's right it's a it's a great way to potentially expand a business and it's a great way potentially to to get into a business Okay. When we were at this big exhibition at the uh, NEC in Birmingham, I was amazed at the variety of, of, of business types that were there. You said, rightly, there's a lot of food businesses there, there's a lot of leisure businesses, that kind of thing. What would you say are the main characteristics of a business that has genuine franchising potential? Is it sector or is it something else? Um, not sector, because again, in terms of the sectors that franchising covers, it is very, you know, very varied, and the example of Ramsons was just to, to, to really illustrate that. It crosses across education, it crosses against personal services, hairdressing, um, beauty, gardening services, cleaning services, you name it, kind of, it, franchising is generally in there offering some form of opportunity. Um, fundamentally, franchising is all about a proven, successful business format. So if you're a business owner and you've got a business that works, it's successful, it's got the potential to grow and expand into other geographical areas by basically replicating the same model that you've got in one or more existing areas on a company-owned basis, then potentially franchising could be the way to do it. Running alongside that, there are also um, 
expected uh, factors such as a strong brand, mm. a strong corporate identity, registered trademarks and good systems and procedures internally to enable the business to grow and develop. So you've got to have robust internal systems and mechanisms to enable you to then recruit, train and support other individuals who become your franchisees to replicate that business. Okay, so you can't basically look to be successful in franchising if your business model is haphazard or doesn't have a good structure because all you're doing then is replicating a structure that's probably going to set up to fail, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. If you've got some fundamental areas of weakness within the business and you know about those areas of weakness, they have got to be addressed. Otherwise, all you're doing is replicating a model that you know has inherent weaknesses built into it. And whilst franchisees are very aware and open to developing business models and being part of that development really as, as market progression, they are they very much become your customers in terms of you're providing generally management support services to them and they're providing you know income to you in terms of fees. And they certainly do expect the, the systems and the models that you provide them with to be well-developed and robust and proven. I guess that's what they're buying, aren't they, at the start when it comes to your franchise fee and your, your monthly management fee. There's a, there's a mutual benefit to both to have things very clear from the outset of you know, what you get, what you don't get, how it works, how it doesn't work. Um, I'm assuming you've got stories of, uh, and again, without breaching any confidentialities, of businesses who are aspiring to franchise and for whatever reason just didn't work out potentially. Yes, I mean, from, from our point of view, in terms of organisations that we work with, sometimes some of the companies go through the initial stages of looking at franchising as a strategic option and then decide when they become more informed and more aware of the process and, and realistically the commitment that maybe it isn't the right way for them to grow and expand the business. Um, but but outside of that, and, and hopefully not with the organisations and companies that we've worked with, um, yeah, we've seen many examples of companies that, that try it, do a bit, don't do it very well, and end up with a very small network of unsuccessful and unhappy franchisees and that's exactly not the position that you want to end up in okay i mean it makes sense doesn't it really you you, you if you're looking to franchise you're not looking to franchise to one or two areas it's usually part of a bigger expansion plan and some bigger ambitions um what kind of organizations have you worked with and and in terms of scale you know what's the what's the biggest number of outlets that they've managed to to get franchise wise Within the UK, networks up to 250. Wow. Yeah, so we've one organisation, a company called Ovenue. Um, we worked with them and they grew from 15 to 120 in a four-stroke, five-year period. And then another organisation, a company called um, First Class Learning, who run maths and English tuition centres, mm. Um, we worked with them and they grew from about 10 to about 250 in, again, five, six-year period. You, you couldn't do that any other way, though, could you really? No. You'd look at that, that's just absolutely impossible to to deliver on a, a an owned management growth plan. It just, just wouldn't exist, would it? No, you couldn't do that and you couldn't get the levels of um, customer care, 
the levels of uh, performance in terms of you know the business itself mm. um, because it's ultimately it's about the drive the determination the commitment of the individual franchisees and that's very much what they bring to the the offer in addition to you know the capital that they've got to invest in the business you'd also lose a whole lot of consistency wouldn't you if you grew that quickly in an, in a standard business model that wasn't franchise driven you, you you would be all over the place with everything from brand and delivery and service the whole lot really so it's probably the, the only way to get to those numbers at that, that speed isn't it yeah yeah. Okay. So if, if I have a, brand, a, a business or one of the listeners or uh, uh, viewers have a, a business that they think, you know what, I might like to franchise this, I might think about that as an option. What are the steps I would need to take to give myself the best chance of success? If we assume for the purpose of the discussion that the business itself is proven and it's successful, then it is a stage process that companies should go through and the first stage is to actually look at the core business and redevelop it in terms of how it will operate on a franchise basis. So again, it's really carrying out some in-depth business review work and in effect taking the business apart and putting it back together in relation to the franchise model. So that looks at all aspects in terms of operational performance, financial performance, looking at the, the marketing aspects, looking at things like protecting the brand and the intellectual property, and then looking at how it should be wrapped up um, initially from a, a legal perspective. And out of all that, the financial model is <coughs> the driver in so much that if everything else stacks up and makes sense but the financial model doesn't, then obviously the business can't go ahead to, to franchise because there has to be sufficient income return profit in it for both the company to take their ongoing income as a management fee or sale of products and likewise for the individuals that are going to do invest <coughs> to get a return on their capital and enable them to generate a level of income that's in line with their personal requirements and above and potentially the ability to, to generate a capital asset themselves. So assuming that all those things stack up and make sense and there's a big tick in that box and it aligns with the strategic objectives of the organisation, then the second stage would be to develop the franchise documentation, which is required. And that's, again, based upon the first piece of work in terms of the model development. Mm -hmm. But it fundamentally looks at things like the franchise prospectus, the franchise agreement, the franchise operations manual, the training that's going to be given to the franchisees, and, and again, the financial model and the detail of that financial model. Um, and then from a marketing perspective, we need a marketing campaign, which is basically how the company is going to engage with its potential franchisees, recruit, train and support them. And once all of that work and methodology and systems have been in place, then the company will move to the next stage of development, which is to recruit generally a small group of what we call pilot franchisees yeah. and they are in effect the for want of a better term the pioneers the innovators or the guinea pigs mm -hmm. that the company will work with to to take them through the process of establishing the business i guess they're, they're ironing out anything at that stage early in terms of uh, expanding it to you know a, a wider audience but that's probably a test bed for both sides is it yeah it's testing <clears throat> all the systems so it's about looking at you know what they need to do to train those people what they need to do to work with them to support them and get them up and running and get them off to a really really good start 
and demonstrating that they can take someone from outside of the business who probably has no prior knowledge of the business and potentially the sector mm. and potentially has no previous experience in that business or sector and train them to become a successful business owner within that sector and within their brand. Okay. It sounds fairly straightforward but complex in equal measure, I guess, because there's a lot of documentation and paperwork that has to stack up to examination further down the line and, and cover both parties. Um, if I was considering franchising as a, an option for a business, what sort of timescale would I expect to incur from okay, I've made a positive decision to do this, to actually getting launched with a, a pilot of, you know, a handful of two or three or slightly more franchisees in an area within within the UK, as an example. What's the timescale expected on that? The stages that we've just discussed, the first stage, which is the franchise model review normally in development, normally takes around two to three months. Mm-hmm. The second stage in terms of the documentation normally takes around two to three months. And then the timeline for actually recruiting the pilot franchisees is varied subject to the profile of the individuals, but also the type of business that it is. So if it's a van-based operation, you can have potentially franchisees who are in up and running within a couple of months. Mm. If it's retail premises, um, then it will take generally longer because in addition to recruiting the right people, you've then got to find the right premises for them. Mm. So that can take three months to recruit the individual, but then six months to find the premises, basically. So generally, within, let's say, a year, we would expect that a company would have gone through the development process and have engaged with and recruited their pilot franchisees, subject to the fact that the pilot franchisees may still be looking for premises if premises Mm. are required. Okay. So it's not an instant win, um, but I guess that's in, in running any business. You're investing in a a process for, for longer-term success. So any shortcuts are probably going to come back and bite you further down the line. So doing it properly and using an organisation like the franchise company has got it, obviously got added benefits to, um, to to getting them along that journey with holding the hand throughout every stage. Would that, be, would that be the sales pitch for you then, Julie? Well, it's not an instant win, and it certainly does take time to do the development work properly because ultimately the devil's in the detail. Mm. So it is about getting the detail right in terms of the systems and the procedures, but it's also about looking at the model in terms of its longevity. Mm. So it's reasonably easy for anyone with a you know, a bit of information knowledge about franchising to, for want of a better term, cobble together a model that looks good, has a nice brochure and potentially can be used to, you know, attract individuals and, and sell them a few franchises. Mm. But really, the the methodology that, that we use and, and the kind of advice that we would always give is don't even think about that stage. Think about building in the real added commercial values so that when the franchise agreement is up for renewal at the end of its first term, which could be five years, there are real reasons for the franchisees to want to renew. And then you have got a a business model that has potentially got longevity. Mm. And if you look at the the established and successful franchise networks, you know, they have there are now organizations out there that've got franchisees that have been with them for twenty and thirty years. Mm. And those people can be paying quite significant management fees on an ongoing basis to the, the, the central company's franchisor. And they will only do that if they're getting real commercial benefits back from that. Yeah, 
So no shortcuts because that's actually going to come back and, and be a, a potential problem further down the line. Yeah, the scaling comes mm. after you've gone through that development process. So if you assume that the first year is going to be getting you through the development and recruiting the pilots, the pilots have to be then you know, up and running and, and trading themselves for six to 12 months. So And then after that, then you can really start to look to scale because then you know you've got a model that works mm. and you know that there's appetite for the model in terms of the franchisees and that's when the scaling can really start okay that brings me on to a question really um it strikes me as a very competitive market for franchise businesses trying to attract franchisees there's you know lots of of of, of uh, glossy marketing and video and brochures and exhibitions and that kind of thing um i've got a, a question about kind of the correlation between the cost of a franchise and the potential success rate. So is there anything to say that buying uh, and investing in a more expensive franchise gives you a better chance of success? Is there any, does that work? Or is that a, is that a rule of thumb that you could you could advise on potentially? Um, the, re- the return is really related to the investment that you make. So mm. if, you, if you're investing a higher level of capital, then you should get a higher level of, you know, financial return from that basically. Mm. In terms of the success rates, the success rates, you know, will vary between networks. So if you're looking to invest 10,000 or 100,000 or a million, you've still got to do your due diligence to make sure that the individual franchise network that you're looking to potentially join has a good track record of success. And a measure of that is actually looking at the potential sources of finance so the banks all have specialist franchise units and right. their remit is to lend money to franchisees and they will only want to lend money to franchisees of well-developed and successful franchisors that they've had good experiences of working with. So if you're, if you're approaching a bank, a, fi- a franchise specialist at a bank, and they're putting up a few barriers, that that should be an alarm call for you in terms of why they're not looking to support that particular franchise. Yeah, and my advice is always to a potential franchisee, even if you don't need to borrow any money, go and put a business plan together and ask the bank to lend you some, because if the bank won't lend you the money, that's a good indication that they know something that you don't know. Um, or alternatively, it might be that you've got some personal problems in terms of your you know, credit rating, etc. Yeah. But, if, you, but if, you, if you're good yourself and they won't lend you the money for that particular franchise, then that's a good, strong indication that there are some issues within that business. I guess flipping on its head as well, um, a franchise or is only going to be as good as the franchisees that they attract. So there's a due diligence on their part to find people with the right fit and the right attitude and who are prepared to put the hours in. It's not an easy win, is it, buying a franchise? It's not, oh, well, it's a shortcut, it's going to be easy. There's still, you still have to treat it like you would treat any normal business, put the hours in, the work ethic, etc., etc. Yes, very much so. The franchise can give you the model. The franchise can give you the opportunity to success. Franchise can give you the training and support to improve the chances of success, but ultimately it's down to you as the business owner to actually implement that model and put the hard work and the time and the commitment and effort that's required to to build that business in the local area. Okay. Um, If I was looking to franchise a business, how do I know what to charge for a territory? Because it's a very territory-driven um, model, isn't it? You know, you buy a postcode or a region or a, whatever it might be. 
how do you know what to charge for that? You know, that must be a bit of a minefield, surely. Well, it's really all about the initial analysis and development work that fundamentally you've got to look at what package of training and support your franchisees are going to need. And and the way that we do it is we have a, a standard franchise package that all franchisees buy and there is generally a standard single cost for that mm. and that really covers all of the items that they're going to get from the franchisor in terms of any collateral, any equipment, any marketing support and it also covers the franchisor's costs of recruiting, training and supporting them. Mm. In addition to that there may be um, a license fee element so the value of the license fee is to, re to reflect the value of the intellectual property and the brand and that could also reflect the size of the franchise area. But the whole area of franchise territories and analysis of franchise territories is, is another uh, area of potential discussion and it is very much all about getting that right so that you don't grant very large areas to franchisees who will not develop the area to its full potential. Mm. And part of that is sometimes matching individuals to areas. So you try not to put you know, small fish into large seas, basically, and, uh, and vice versa. So there's very much techniques involved in doing that. You mentioned that it's a bit of a discussion point. I wouldn't mind picking up on that very briefly. Um, in these days of data analysis and you know, mapping, etc., I'm assuming there are some tools out there that look at, I guess, demographic of customers, footprint of, of potential sort of markets, etc. Are those things being used more in the franchise industry now for assessing, like you say, area capacity or customer penetration options, that kind of thing? They are very much so. And there's a couple of companies that we work with that do that on a very much a specialist basis. Um, and it goes back fundamentally to understanding the model understanding what the offer is and potentially having the data initially to put into the system so that you can identify who your core customers are currently and then use that data to project who they are, where they are, how many of them are in any given area to start to build territories. The other big thing around territories is whether the territories are exclusive or non-exclusive. Mm. And again, there are reasons to grant exclusive territories and there are reasons not to grant exclusive territories subject to the, the type of business that you're operating in and some, sometimes subject to the type of clients that you're working with as well. I've worked in non-franchise businesses where there have been territories involved and the whole area of exclusivity or otherwise can often be a particular minefield, particularly if you work with sales teams who say, you know, my area is this particular postcode or this particular um, uh, county, but they follow a customer or a customer follows them from a, a neighbouring territory and can be an absolute disaster, I guess. But So it's about getting that right from the outset as well, isn't it? It's mm. about getting it right from the outset and you can't stop customers choosing who they you know want to work with. That's part of the customer's uh, freedom of choice, basically. Yeah. But it's also about communicating, for want of a better term, the rules very effectively during the recruitment process. Mm. So the whole idea of having a structured recruitment process with potential franchisees is to only bring in the right type of people into the business and to make sure that the right people that you do bring in are fully informed 
so that they can make an informed decision about whether it's the right business opportunity for them. And if it is, they understand what the rules are before they join. It's also about being respectful of those rules, isn't it? And not looking for mavericks who are, I guess, going to break the model and, and, and upset. They don't care if they upset the people in the neighbouring territories. They're not going to be the right fit for that organisation, are they? No, that's right. The The ultimate you know, idea is that even though you've got the franchise agreement, which is the legal document that regulates the relationship, you sign the agreement and you know put it in the drawer, basically. Mm. And then the network works together in some degree mutual benefit not mutual harmony but hopefully mutual benefit and there's um, interaction between the franchisees and and the business and the network grows and it's to everyone's benefit basically okay one final question um it's really about inspiring anyone listening or or watching to who might be considering a route uh, of franchising to support their business expansion ambitions what would be the one piece of advice the one golden bullet you would say that they absolutely have to do to give them the best chance of success what's the you know what what's the absolute number one rule preparation complete preparation and know before you even start to talk to a potential franchisee what your offer is Mm. to have the answers to all of the questions that anyone could ask you and not just have the answers in a flippant way, to have the answers in a really well thought through, developed way with the whole model and documentation in place to support it. Because it's like when you when you are developing a franchise model for a business, it's like building a jigsaw, but you don't know what the picture's going to look like till you actually finish it. And sometimes you've got to change bits of the jigsaw to to make it fit Mm. Um, and when it does fit it's a really great um, feeling but you've got to make sure that all of that work is done in advance to ensure that you really know what the offer is and then you only take the right people on board and you do use that recruitment process to ensure that uh, they're right for you and you're right for them as well. Fantastic. Well, Julie, that's hopefully been inspiring to our audience and uh, uh, viewers and listeners who are either in the franchising sector and saying that, hey, we're doing things right. Uh, Some ideas for people who may be looking to develop their franchise uh, model or those who are just inspired to think of it as an option as a franchisee for them. So really appreciate your time today. Um, Your contact details will be on the end of the podcast so that anyone wants to contact you directly and we'll go from there. you got a question for me? Well, the only thing I'd like to say in addition to that is obviously thanks for the, the time. Um, the other part of the success is that make sure that when you bring them in, you give them you know good training and good support. And certainly, again, in terms of the work that we do with our clients, as well as doing development work, we've got a very good support offer in terms of franchisee training, franchisor training and ongoing support, which obviously we are working in close conjunction with you, Nick, too. To, to, to help us do that well thanks for the plug I appreciate that that wasn't deliberate but uh, thank you very much for that so, so as well as working with new companies we also work with established existing franchisors as well excellent I'm enjoying the experience of working in the sector it's very different very interesting uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying working with you on that basis with all your experience so uh, as I say it's been a pleasure your contact details will be available for anybody on the end of the podcast as well so Julie Waits Managing Director of the Franchise Company thanks for being on the Impact Sessions thank you